working at the grassroots level with, with small businesses, so I, it was a really great project. But in talking to them, I realized more and more that they didn't have a federal trade association to represent their interests. They didn't have anyone speaking to politicians provincially, federally, you know, across Canada. And so um, I got in touch with, with a friend of mine who um, was a volunteer with Sensible BC. It was an organization that um, did the, the uh, decriminalization petition in British Columbia a few years ago. And she, so she had a background organizing the cannabis industry. And the two of us partnered up and we, um, we launched our, our own organization. And uh, we were in the middle of organizing the community. We had a whole bunch of businesses ready to sign up and join our association. And then right when we were ready to do that, we got uh, in contact with the Cannabis Growers of Canada, which were an organization that mostly represented growers, but they wanted to start linking up with dispensaries and the whole kind of economy. And they uh, they said, "Hey, we'd love to merge with you." You know, and so we. Long story short, we merged with them. So now I'm the executive director of the Cannabis Growers of Canada, and we represent um, dispensaries, the value-added product makers, the growers, the um, ancillary services. You know, the head shops, that kind of stuff, the whole industry. So I have a, a question. Sure. Is it okay to smoke pot on the job? You know, that, that's a complicated question because, first of all, is it a medical you know condition that requires constant consumption? If it is, then of course, right? I mean, it also depends on the job, right? I mean, we recognize that, you know, certain people with certain medical conditions might not be suited for certain jobs, right? Like certain people can't be pilots or, or, or truck drivers because of a medical condition. But there are jobs for them, right? And we and we have support services precisely to link people with, with specific disabilities up to specific jobs. So I don't think it's unreasonable to say, okay, you can't be a pilot if you have to consume cannabis all day long yeah, yeah, you know, for, for your sure, condition. For sure. But but if you're, you know, a, a customer service person and and your and your manager thinks that your performance is excellent, no matter what your your, your cannabis consumption might be, then of course. I mean, there's been enough studies we've seen that that habitual cannabis consumers, like medical patients. They develop a, a high tolerance to the intoxicating effects yeah. of, of, of THC, and so they they tend to not get quote unquote high. You know, like they they're just they've done a lot of studies in the, in the United States because they're concerned about do you let these people drive right? right if you're a medical cannabis patient. And the studies are showing that the habitual cannabis users don't usually have a problem performing, you know, all of the, the major motor tasks, memory tasks, all the things you would want them to. So. I think it depends. It's just being responsible. Exactly. And having a conversation with your manager, the company, right? Like, there's a job for everyone, yeah. right? We, we recognize that it's important to give people with severe disabilities an opportunity to participate in the right. workforce, right? And this is no different. Do you think marijuana um, is helpful for depression? I don't know if you know any of the stats around that. Absolutely, I think it is. I think that what we're discovering more and more is that the, the it's not just the THC in the cannabis. It's all these other cannabinoids, and they're very complicated. And we're starting to, to see the science behind how many different things that they, they can touch in the human body. People don't realize it's not just something that gets you high. It's right. it's a complicated medical phenomenon. I mean, there's receptors in your spleen, the whole rest of your body that interact with CBD, which is why it doesn't get people high because it doesn't touch the brain. CBD strictly interacts with your the rest of your, your you know your immune system, basically. And so that is something we only just discovered a few years ago, right? This is Ramon. Hi, Ramon. He's called Mr. Merkaba on this podcast. Do you have a business card? I do, yes. That way I'll let you know before it's aired. Because Please. it's being aired in consecutive order, although okay. I'm going to try to get the ones that are, like, this is kind of a moment in history, I think, in Toronto. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. What would you say about this moment in history in Toronto? Oh, what would I say? I would say that this is a moment in history in Canada. We are on the cusp of legalizing something. <laughs> you didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this moment in history is, is, a, it's, 
it's bigger than Toronto. It's about Canada because we're on the cusp of legalizing cannabis. We're going to be one of the first countries in the world to do that. And the question becomes, what do we want out of that, right? Do we just want to take cannabis and sell it in these, you know, brown paper bags in the back of a pharmacy, in the back of a liquor store? Or do we want to admit that people like cannabis? They like consuming it when it's local, fresh, organic, when there's a, a you know, what the wine industry calls the terroir. Like, where does the product come from? What's the flavor of the country, of the sun, of the, of the, the clay in that particular region? Why is cannabis any different? So what we're what we're seeing at the at the cannabis growers of Canada is let's embrace that. Let's embrace cannabis. Let's make it, uh, you know, a cannabis a craft economy, right? Where you have local producers, local sellers, specialists. It doesn't mean you can't have the big agricultural companies as well any more than it means that you can't have Budweiser and a, and a local microbrew coexist in the same economy. We're we're arguing that the jobs, the the economic benefits, the tourism will come from the craft economy, not from the big pharmacy chains selling the mass-produced cannabis. Yeah. Um, He's coming from... Yeah, you're yeah. representing today. Yeah. So are you smoking today? Uh, I'm not because I'm working, but okay. that, you know... So you choose not to uh, smoke while you're working? Yeah, well, but, but you know... this only enforces your... Well, listen, listen, I'll tell you, I, I smoke when I'm not meeting politicians, I smoke when I'm writing, I smoke when I'm, you know what I mean? I, I, I consume medical cannabis because I have um, severe nausea caused by a, a really bad bout of gastroenteritis a few years ago, so if when I get stressed out, I can't eat. And my doctor told me, you have to bring your weight up, and I was taking meal replacement shakes, you know, they were talking about medication, and I was like... I'm from Vancouver, so I said, can I just smoke weed? And he's an old-timey family doctor, so he hadn't even thought of that. He was like, yeah, actually, yeah, you should smoke weed. You know, it's better for you. It's less hard. Because he's thinking of all the side effects of the medications he was going to give me. And he was like, cannabis, I don't care. You know? So I started... you all know the side effects. Yeah, it makes you hungry. Guess what? That's, That's what I need. That's why the commercials so long. There must be strains of weed that don't make you hungry. Of course, yeah. Uh, there's, well, for instance, CBD. CBD is actually an appetite suppressant. So if you, if you don't have THC... Yeah, so it, it's, and this is what I'm saying, like cannabis is so complicated, medically speaking, we're only beginning to untap the, the potential of, it's not even the THC and the CBD, there's other chemicals in there that are being studied for, for MS or for Alzheimer's because they have a, a kind of a protective effect on, on your brain. So there's just so much research that we need to do. willing to do it. Yeah, well, when, when America starts to crack, that's when the money starts to flow in, right? And people can start to do the research because as long as it's a Schedule One controlled drug in America, you can't do any medical research in any American university or lab. And I'm sorry, that's where all the research comes from these days, right? So it's unfortunate that we've handicapped ourselves like this, but we're getting there. And, and the FDA is bought for yeah. certain individuals. Oh, for sure. I mean, you, you have to ask yourself, why is the pharmaceutical industry trying to invent artificial cannabis? Right? Why are they trying to invent all these artificial cannabinoids? There is that... that um, uh, drug study, drug trial in France where five people or eight people, whatever it was, died, that was an artificial cannabinoid. They're trying to reinvent a plant that already exists because they want to patent it. Because there's more money in owning it than there is in admitting that anyone can grow some medicine that might be a miracle cure. So where, what direction are we moving with the law as far as growing your own marijuana? Um, there's there's a lot of moving parts right now. There's a lot of lobbyists in this country that are trying to get a monopoly on it for, for either retail or for growing. Um, a lot of rhetoric about the criminal underground and how we need to stamp it out. Um, we at the at the CGC believe that the only way legalization works is if you bring the black market into the daylight. Um, and so that's a big a big priority of ours is educating politicians that there are tens of thousands of jobs in Canada that depend on the cannabis economy. 
Yeah. You know, we the, the point you're, you and guys will have, even increase. Exactly. In if we if we want it to increase, it will. If we do it right, it will. But the the even let's have, like ignore the potential for benefits. Let's just talk about the risks. If you crush the independent cannabis economy, you've just unemployed tens of thousands of young Canadians who live in rural areas if they're growers or they're urban yeah. if they're you know and they make a good living wage urban job as a as a can uh, bud tender or whatever you call them. Those people will be out of work. And what have you gained? A couple of warehouses that grow, you know, mediocre hemp, basically, on an industrial scale. A couple of liquor store employees. But even then, Kathleen Wynne has said there'll be no jobs created at the liquor store. She said that. Mm. So she said there will be no increased labor costs at the liquor store. What does that mean? No new jobs. So the question you need to ask yourself is, what's the benefit versus the risk? The risk is we put 30,000 whatever people out of work across Canada, northern British Columbia, Ontario, wherever, and we get nothing for it. Why would you do that? Why would you do that, right? And LCBO, in my opinion, shouldn't. No, 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 no. The mental health industry, yeah, no, the mental health industry will tell you that. They, 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 the the mental health experts, the harm reduction people, you put cannabis and alcohol in the same store and you're buying trouble. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. you have you have people who smoke cannabis to as a harm reduction strategy because they're they're recovered alcoholics and that's part of their management. Oh. They're gonna go into a liquor store now. You're right. You, you, I mean, what? Why did we invent the word crunk to describe what happens when you're stoned and drunk? It's because one one beer one beer one hit of a joint, you're way more intoxicated than you would have been for either of those things. So we're gonna put both substances in one roof. We don't sell beer in the in the pharmacy because that's inappropriate. Right. Why would we why would we mix cannabis and alcohol or cannabis and oxycotton? Why would you put cannabis in the pharmacy? Right? Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me the way they're thinking about this. Your points are very logical. <laughs> and you know, every time I meet a politician and I explain it to them, the light bulb goes off. You can see it in their eyes. Like I, we met with uh, uh, Jim Carrigianis here in Toronto, and he was, you know, talking about how he believes in, in, in freedom because he's about the hookah bars and he's very upset about the shisha stuff, and so he's all upset. And then when I started explaining to him that a, a, a veteran with a, a prescription from Veterans Affairs for, for medical cannabis to deal with PTSD could not go into a store and have an educated conversation about a Health Canada approved medical vaporizing device because that conversation would be illegal, I thought his head was going to explode. <laughs> like he couldn't believe that this would be a world that we live in. You have a veteran try to go to a, 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 you know, a, a, a vaporizer store and he wants to know which of these two vaporizers should I use for my medical condition. And now they can't tell him because it's like selling tobacco. You can't talk about the product, right? You can't have a, an educated conversation. That same veteran couldn't go in and say, I've never consumed cannabis before, I want to, I know it's good for PTSD, which of these strains do I smoke, right? Should it be an indica, should it be a sativa, should it be a whatever, you know? That conversation can't happen. You can't talk about it, you can't have an informed discussion. What is the point of that? Stupid. It's stupid. They, they're trying to <laughs> give our starving doctors a couple more hours. So they can write. Them. Well, but funny you say that because for the last ten years we've been we've been kicking and screaming with the Canadian Medical Association to get their doctors to write prescriptions for cannabis, and they refuse to do so. You can't. People always criticize the dispensaries in Vancouver. They say, "Well, why do you use traditional Chinese medicine doctors? Why do you use naturopaths? Why are they quote unquote they're not real doctors, right?" Well. Okay, never mind the bias there. Let's talk about the fact that the CMA won't hear these cases. They won't talk to these patients. If your only option is a natural path, then you're going to go to a naturopath. It, it all ends up boils at the bottom. Right? Mm-hmm. Who, who has the more money? Who has more influence over them? Yep. And if we let if we let these Their companies, drug reps are so much more 
of a friend mm -hmm. to these doctors that they're own friends most of the time. And if we let these big companies just, just write these laws the way that it's going right now, nobody in Canada will benefit. Nobody will, will get the good quality cannabis that they want, the safe down stuff. To who makes the rules. Mm -hmm. The people make the rules. They need people to remember that. The rules, they gotta stand up. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta stand up. You gotta write your MPP. You gotta write your MP. You gotta talk to your city councilor. You gotta say, Indeed. I want a cannabis economy. I want jobs. I want taxes. I want tourism. I want everything above board and over, you know, over the counter. It should be sunlight on this industry, not more monopolies, more shame, more, yeah. you know. Yeah, I agree on this. We don't take the initiative. No. I, I could say I don't they take the initiative. They expect all the stoners to do nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? They expect all the stoners. Yeah. Oh, they took it away out the way. Yeah, yeah. And Fill their answering machines. Mm -hmm. Messages saying I go to the Hotbox Cafe. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would do if they closed it. I vote. Yeah. I vote. I'm, I'm going to make the most ridiculous. They're going to take away my job. I yeah. almost lost my place to clean video closing. Wow. Like, a of a month, job place just disappear mm -hmm. under my feet. Where am I gonna go? Yeah. What am I gonna do? Nothing. I would have been so screwed, couch surfing back into my parents' place. Yeah. Like, I don't, and I could still. You don't I want Jesus to go back to his parents' house. I could still if, lose my job. If you live in, no out, way. If you live out in, in, in you know. I don't uh, know if can I apply for unemployment insurance. Well, exactly. You can't because you haven't been paying in DEI. And and these are these are people that. You know that you could tell that same story in Kenora if you work in a grow up because it's the only job up there, right? You, you're a trimmer. You make fifteen, twenty dollars an hour if you're good at it. Going to logging? Yeah. Are you, what, what, like, what do they think is going to happen if they make twenty five, forty five, whatever? We don't. We still don't even know the full numbers because we're still getting our heads around that. But there's lots of jobs. But as you said, I'm up. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, thanks. It was a real pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Just drop me an email to that.